0: There's a word that we use to describe something terrible happening. And it's a word that describes any number of events. And that word is catastrophe. We find ourselves overwhelmed by something terrible that we ourselves experience or that we witness from a distance. And we say, that is just a catastrophe. The challenge of living in the moment that we do is we have never been more aware of catastrophes than we are right now. If you think about your parents or your grandparents, they weren't instantly aware that a catastrophe had happened around the world, but we are. And sometimes, uh, like with a lot of words, the word gets used to describe other things. I've used the word catastrophe to describe things that were not a catastrophe. I couldn't get a parking spot where I wanted. This is a catastrophe. I really wanted it to be here in two days. I think it's and it takes five days. It's a catastrophe. And over time, the word ends up getting diluted in its value. In the mid-20th century, though, uh, a writer named J.R.R. R. 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 Tolkien, who's the writer of the Lord of the Rings series, he invented a new word. And the word he invented built off the word catastrophe, and he called it eucatastrophe. And a eucatastrophe was a sudden and favorable resolution of events in a story, a happy ending. If you've read the Lord of the Rings books, it's when the eagles arrive to carry the lead characters away. It's when you think Frodo is going to not finish his mission, and Gollum comes in, and he takes the ring to where Frodo was trying to take it, and the story turns. In Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's when the ark opens up, and the story radically changes. And this weekend is a great example of a catastrophe. And that's a good thing, and it's a bad thing. It's a good thing. I'm just going to turn this off. It's a good thing because we just sang about how good it is. It's a bad thing because so often what happens is we want to jump to the rest of the story. And so my challenge for you tonight is this. As best you can. I want to encourage you to stay where your feet are in this story. I know that we all know what's going to happen on Sunday in the story. But in the same way that the disciples didn't know that Sunday was coming, I want to encourage you to be where your feet are and not think about that yet. And so tonight as we go throughout the service, and we'll talk more about the rest of the and I just want to encourage you to stay here and be where your feet are. Not where what you know is coming, but where your feet are. If you brought a Bible with you tonight, I want to encourage you to open it up to the book of Isaiah chapter 53. If you're new to the Bible or new to church, Isaiah is in the Old Testament. It's one of the longest books of prophecy, and it was written uh, and recorded hundreds of years before Jesus was born. But in Isaiah 53, we read about who Jesus would be and what he would accomplish. And what we experience in Good Friday is the fulfillment of these words. If you would, would you stand with me? We're going to read a few verses. If you don't have your Bible, you can just follow along on the screen. Isaiah wrote these words, speaking in advance of Jesus. He said, he grew up before him like a young plant. Like a root out of dry ground. He didn't have an impressive form or majesty that we should look at him, no appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised and we didn't value him. Yet he himself bore our sicknesses and he carried our pains. We in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned our own way, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. Yet he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, and like a sheep silent before her shears, he did not open his mouth. Jesus, I pray that you'd speak to us powerfully today, that we might appreciate with fullness all that today means. And I pray that you'd help us to be where our feet are tonight. In your name we pray, Jesus, amen. You can be seated. This evening, I want to share with you three things that I've been impressed by as I've been spending the last few weeks in Isaiah chapter 53. And the first one is is more an inference from the text and an experience from life than it is written there. But it's this, that our sin creates wounds that impact us and others. Our sin creates wounds that impact us and others. You don't have to be a follower of Jesus. You don't have to be a believer in the Bible to recognize this reality, that our choices have concentric impacts, and what we choose and what we do doesn't just impact us. This passage is really all about our sin and what our sin meant for Jesus. But before we get to Jesus, I think it's important for us to talk about ourselves. Were any of you on a sports team growing up? Raise your hand. You played a sport, you played a competition. Yeah, I loved being on a team because what being on a team taught me was that my choices didn't just impact me, they impacted others and vice versa. Now that was great when I did my part. It was really frustrating when other people didn't do their part. I grew to hate group projects when I was in school because I realized that other people's choices impacted me. Well, then I got on a team for a job. My wife and I made a team that we call a family. And in each of those environments, what I discovered again and again was that my sin impacted the people around me and their sin impacted me. And church, if nothing else, is basically a container where all of our sin bounces off each other, where we all impact each other. Now, the problem is most of us like to convince ourselves that our sin just impacts us. We tell ourselves, this is not a big deal, even if it is sin, because it just impacts me. But the truth is, even private sin has public consequences. Throughout the scriptures, we see that what's done in private will eventually be revealed in public. And, And the problem with sin, why it's such a big deal is that it doesn't just impact us, our sin creates wounds in ourselves and in others. And if you have ever had a friendship, and I hope all of you have had a friendship at some point in life, then you've discovered how somebody else's sin can create wounds in you. I once heard a band sing a song and they said, we love each other, we hurt each other. That's a great summary of relationships. If you get close enough to somebody to experience their love, you will also be close enough to them to experience hurt. So first and foremost, our sin creates wounds in us and it creates wounds in others. But secondly, our sin costs him wounds. It's not just that my sin impacts me or my sin impacts you or vice versa. It's that our collective sin cost Jesus the wounds that we're here tonight to remember. In the book of Isaiah 53, what we just read in verse 4, it says, Yet he himself bore our sicknesses, he carried our pains. But we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. What was happening to Jesus on the cross was a direct result of our sin. The woundedness we had, the sinfulness that we had, it produced wounds in others, including Jesus. So when you think about tonight, those nails that pierced the hands of Jesus those nails are a reflection and an outcome of our sin. And and I know that we've probably all hit our finger with a hammer and experienced that pain, but but the, the pain that Jesus felt was literally excruciating. Some people believe that word excruciating has its origins in crucifixion. If you've ever hit your funny bone before, you know that, that that nerve that you hit there, it goes all throughout your arm. You feel it all throughout your arm. And many experts believe that the nail that pierced Jesus, it was more likely in his wrist than in his hand. They believe that it drove right through that nerve that you hit when you hit your funny bone. Jesus hung on that cross for six hours. I want you to imagine hitting your funny bone permanently For six hours. And as that nail sat between his radius and his ulna and his wrist. Funny bone. Pierced that nerve. That wound was because of my sin and your sin. As he was being scourged, they, they put a crown of thorns on his head. Now, likely where it was, it didn't produce as much blood as his hands and his feet, but it was a shaming act and they mocked him as a king with that crown. But really the cause of death with crucifixion was not external. It was internal. And what you must know about crucifixion is that the most powerful empire on earth up until this point, the Roman Empire, had perfected capital punishment in a way that put fear in the eyes of everyone who was watching it. They wouldn't wouldn't crucify someone in a dark alley. They crucified people along major highways. If they were crucifying somebody here, they crucify him out on the side of 69 across from Target where everybody would drive by and see. Because they wanted to intimidate and put fear in the population so that they wouldn't do what the people hanging on the cross would do. You died on a cross not from the wounds in your hands and your feet. You died from asphyxiation in your lungs. Because after hours of trying to lift yourself up while nails were piercing your funny bone nerves, your lungs would begin to fill with liquid. And eventually, you would die from asphyxiation. You would die from the inside out. The wounds that Jesus felt are as a result of our sin. And he had to bear that because that's how broken and sinful we are. And that's how much our sin has affected the world around us. It's heavy. And that's why if you had been standing with the disciples, they would have had more than a problem with the word good attached to that moment. Because where their feet were, was nothing of good. Because they didn't know what we know now. And that's why I want to encourage you to stay where your feet are, because you can't recognize the fullness of this moment if you're looking at it from the side we are. But the good news amidst that moment is the third thing that I've been reflecting on in the weeks coming up to the day, which is that we are healed by his wounds. Hundreds of years before Jesus went to the cross, these are the words that Isaiah wrote of prophecy. Yet he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. We've all been wounded. Some of us carry those wounds with us still today. But the wounds that Jesus had were purposeful. They weren't just suffering for the sake of suffering. The truth of the cross is that our sin cost his wounds and his wounds produced our healing. What, what sent him to be wounded in the way he was, was our sin. And then coming back out of those wounds to us is not more pain, but healing. We sent him to the cross with our sin, but he sends from the cross, not sin and woundedness, but healing. And that's why we call tonight good. Good. That's why we can term such a horrible moment with an adjective like good. Because it was his wounds that are the source of our healing. So tonight, I just have one question for you. And that question is this. Will you live from your wounds or will you live from his? You don't get through life Without being wounded. Author Ernest Hemingway says, life breaks all of us. And all of us eventually find ourselves wounded by the sins of others. The problem is some of us live from those wounds. Some of us have been living for years out of the wounds of somebody who's close to us, a family member, a friend, a teacher, a neighbor, something somebody said to us or did to us, something we did that we can't forgive ourselves for or get beyond. And the question is, are you going to live out of those wounds? Or are you going to live out of his wounds and the healing that comes through it? Because if you live out of your wounds, you'll never experience healing. You'll just continue to pass on your wounds to other people. What I've found is that if I don't experience healing in my wounds, I end up wounding other people. As the old cliche goes, hurt people hurt people. But the beauty of the cross is that wounded people who are healed by his wounds can then be sent into the world as wounded healers who point people to healing. So when you walked in tonight, you got a little card. It looks like, and it says mind on it. We're having some microphone difficulties today. I'm just going to eat the mic tonight, Steve. It's my battery. Is that better? Ooh. (laughs) My voice is not that deep. If you have this card, what I want you to do is turn it around to the back where it's blank. And I want you to think about this question What wound in you needs his healing tonight? What wound have you been carrying that's a result of your sin? or someone else's sin. If Isaiah 53 is true, where it says we are healed by his wounds, then I want to get real specific tonight. I want to encourage you to name that wound. You're not going to show this to anybody. Nobody else is going to see this. But I just want you to name and identify that. So if you got a pen when you walked in, I'd encourage you to write this down. I'm going to pray and then Jake is going to lead us in a song that we're just going to ask you to sit and reflect and listen to. Jesus, we thank you that you don't leave us in our wounds. We thank you that you don't leave us to carry on our wounds into the lives of others. We thank you that we're not Destined to live out of the wounds that we have done to ourselves or that others have done to us as a result of sin. We thank you for the good news of Good Friday that we are healed by your wounds. But Jesus, we need to bring those wounds to you. We need to stop trying to heal ourselves. We need to stop running from that wound or denying that it exists. So I pray tonight that we might experience your deep love and deep healing in the place within us that has been hurt because of our own sin or someone else's. I pray that we would trust you enough to open up that part of our heart to you, to allow you in you what only you can do. We pray that we might recognize tonight just how much you love us by just how much you've done for us. And we pray you'd speak to us clearly in this moment.